0: operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart, that you can't take part, you can't even passively take part, and you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. Alright, welcome the comic book revolution podcast. As always, I'm your host, Rock, by my side, my platonic life partner, Steven. How you doing, my friend?
1: <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh, a little chilly, but
0: it's, it's you know, it's January, it's, so. It's it's ridiculous. You know, we don't normally get weather <laughs> this cold. Our winters are pretty mild. That's why I like where we live. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the South... Uh, Eastern tip of Virginia is a weird weather place. It's because we got the, the Chesapeake Bay and we've got the Atlantic Ocean and it's just mm-hmm. weird. We get strange weather. It changes all the time. <laughs> we don't get cold like the rest yeah. of the state gets either. It's it's bizarre.
1: Yeah, it's once you get, because it's like there's like a little barrier, like because in Williamsburg the other day it was snowing. But it's like you get right below that and nothing. No, no. Our yeah. little, we have like a Yes.
0: No, we have a no snow dome over our, our region. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we do. Cuz you're right it can be snowing iceberg broken that us it's like, you know, eh, about 55 degrees and sunny. Not a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. All right. Anyhow, yeah. <laughs> as always, uh, you guys can check us out at the Of course, Stephen, you know Kevin posted something this morning bright and early. Of course. Of course he did. I, I wake up this morning on, on a on a Sunday morning three day weekend. I'm um, getting my coffee and geez, there's the notification. Kevin just posted an article. He posted the DC Comics April twenty twenty one solicitation analysis. Always a good read. I like when Kevin rolls through that. It mm-hmm. reminds me of what uh, I don't want to read that's out there. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so anyhow, you can check us out at revolution.com. You can also check us out on Twitter at CBRevolution. You can check us out on Facebook. We have a Comic Revolution Facebook page. And you can check me out on Twitter at Rock2K's Revolution. And Stephen? And you can follow me at President Glover. There you go. And I'll tell you, mm-hmm. I'm just looking over here at the comicrevolution.com, and Kevin is just all over the future state comics. I should give mm-hmm. Kevin some sort of hazard pay for having to have read all of those future state comics. <laughs> I feel terrible. I feel terrible that he's, ha- but he, he, Steven, he's been all over him. He's done uh mm-hmm. future state next to the next Batman. Oh, poor man. Poor guy. He did Future State Wonder Woman. Future State Harley Quinn. Future State Justice League. Future State Teen Titans. Future State Detective Com- Dark Detective. He's he's doing, he's doing hitting, I think, almost every single one, it seems like. Yeah. Kevin's a champ. No one should have to endure that much uh, mental abuse at all. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, you can go to the website and check out the reviews for all of the Future State comics. Spoiler mm. alert, Kevin actually likes... A lot of them. So it's not like you're going to yeah. go there and just get a bad a bunch of uh, you know reviews saying this stuff sucks. It's actually the opposite. Kevin actually gives, uh, as I'm flipping through it, he gives most of these titles pretty high. I'm talking, look, 8 out of 10, uh, 7 out of 10, Damn. 8 out of 10, 8 out of 10, 8 out of 10. He's given all these. Uh, the only one he didn't get a high score to is Dark Detective, number one. Got a 6 out of 10 from Kevin. And, and future state teen <laughs> titans got a two out of ten. Not a surprise.
1: <laughs> uh, even in a even in an basically an alternate universe taking over the regular universe, they still can't get a good title going.
0: No, no, they can't. Fourteen Titans. Oh 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 look! Lobo at Crush is still part of the team. <laughs> God, that's the worst character ever. That's just horrible. Okay. Anyhow, Stephen, this podcast, we're not talking about Future State, thankfully. Instead, no. we are talking <laughs> of uh, continuing our deep dive into Star Wars. And this is mm-hmm. going to be part three of our deep dive into Star Wars. Of course, you can check out our prior uh, episodes where we uh, took a look at part one of was a look into the overview of Star Wars' success and failures under Disney since their purchase in 2012. And then part two, we took a a look into uh, all the current and upcoming offerings from Lucasfilm concerning Star Wars with theatrical releases, video games, Disney+, and comics. And that was really cool. There's some There's some stuff coming up that's interesting. Part mm-hmm. three, we're going to... Look at everything we've learned in part one and part two, Stephen, and we're going to predict or try our best to predict where we think Lucasfilm, Star Wars, is going to go in the future, Mm -hmm. okay? Not in the next year or two, but we're talking beyond. mm -hmm. And it's, I guess when we start this discussion, Stephen, we got to start with the big topic that is surrounding Lucasfilm right now. And you go online, <laughs> it's, it's, all, it's a lot of articles and a lot of buzz about a quote-unquote civil war in Lucasfilm, which I don't think, <clears throat> honestly, is really what's going on. As you and I went through the past of Lucasfilm, <laughs> we've, we saw where after Last Jedi, Iger went about doing his best to kneecap Kathleen Kennedy. Mm -hmm. he couldn't remove her so he did his best to just limit what she could do took story control away from her took uh, put in people that didn't have to answer to her got rid of her lucasfilm story group as it was composed the all-female story group he did everything he could to Mm -hmm. really limit what kathleen kennedy could do creative wise and install people that didn't have to answer to kathleen answer to him directly (laughs) so i really don't think there's a civil war i think it's pretty clear what Iger slash JPEG now wants. They, they, Kathleen, you handle the business. You don't handle the stories anymore. And right. we're not going to have a war on fans anymore. Let's not do that. Mm-hmm. I think, so I don't think there's really a civil war. What I do think we have though, Stephen, I do think we have currently three factions operating independently in mm-hmm. Lucasfilm. And you know what, Stephen? I don't think that's really a bad thing either. Yeah, Uh, You've got one faction is going to be, you've got Feige doing his whole thing. No one, and I mean nobody's going to tell Kevin Feige what to do. Okay? Right. That dude is the golden goose for Disney, and Chapek is going to let Feige do whatever Feige wants to do. End of story. Mm -hmm. Okay? So he's he's doing his own thing. I do not believe this is a Trojan horse, that Feige is a Trojan horse attack, where he's going to replace Kennedy as the head of Lucasfilm. I, I don't see that. I mean, is, is it theoretically mm-hmm. possible? I'm sure anything is theoretically possible. I, I don't see that. What do you think, Stephen?
1: I don't think so. I mean, if we're talking about theoretically possible, it's possible that a piano could fall on Kathleen's head today. <laughs> and, you know, Roger we're Rabbit style? we talking about theoretically, you know. But um, I don't know. I don't... I mean, I'm sure Kevin Feige would jump at the job, but that dude, like, he's, he's got enough on his plate already, and you don't want to crash on Star Wars, you know? Right. I, I totally. The, agree. the other biggest media franchise on the planet right
0: now. Right. We can't. We can't. We can't have that happen. <laughs> Agreed. The other faction, of course, is the John Favreau, Dave Filoni faction, who are operating completely independent from Kathleen Kennedy. Mm-hmm. They answer to Chapek, and Chapek alone. They're doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. And then the third group would be Kathleen Kennedy and her Lucasfilm story group. And mm-hmm. they're really in charge of what it appears to be. They've been limited. It appears to be just the print media offerings with mm-hmm. the high Republic. That appears to be how it is. Right. Filoni and Favreau, they get Disney plus mm-hmm. and the story, the Lucasfilm story group is getting the print media and the movies of mm-hmm. course I mean, Kennedy is involved with the movies. We don't really... Mm-hmm. To, to a limited degree, though, Stephen, we've got Rogue Squad Squadron with Patty Jenkins. I think Kathleen's probably involved there a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's not involved with the Feige movie at all. Right. Uh, so it, but there's not a lot going on in the theatrical releases at the moment for Star Wars anyway. Right. I do <laughs> th- Now, I tell you, th- the reason why I don't mind this, uh, this approach, you know, is there creative tension? Well, there is creative tension. You can see that on social media, and we'll get into that. That's a window into the creative tension that exists. There is absolutely creative tension, no doubt about it. And you can tell how Favreau doesn't really, he's not there to make Kennedy look good. He's not there, he doesn't talk about her. He, he doesn't talk about the High Republic. Yeah. He, he, he's, he's there to promote <laughs> his, his Disney plus Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The reason why I don't mind this is it appears that, Chapek Iger first, now, now Chapek, uh, our, our mm-hmm. Lex Luthor CEO, he, they are, there is some type of intercorporate competition, and it's not a bad thing. A lot of successful companies, Stephen, We'll go to Apple Computers right there, one of the most successful companies in all the world. It's not, it was not uncommon for Steve Jobs to create competition within the mm-hmm. company. Because competition breeds success. It breeds better results. You need competition. When there is no competition, Mm -hmm. people get lazy, and the quality in the production falls off. So if this Mm -hmm. is the way of pushing people to do better, I have no problem with that. I have no problem with competition inside of a corporation. Mm -hmm. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that, um, I mean, even talking about, like, you know, Kevin Feige and Marvel are so, like, dominant and on top of the, on top of the world on this, but you know, he's still, I read an interview where he was like, after wonder woman came out where he was like, he was so like, kind of, he was kicking himself because mm-hmm. he didn't beat DC to the punch on that. Right, one. Right. Right. And, um, I've, 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 read rumors that, um, the Russo brothers have said that they went to Feige with the idea for civil war. And he said, no, uh, but then they announced Batman man versus Superman. And he said, uh-huh. green light it.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Make it happen. <laughs> so,
1: Yeah, and Star Wars doesn't have any competition to itself.
0: And and I think that also Mm -hmm. what what it's doing is Chapek, Iger, and now Chapek are kind of like, all right, if you think your way is the best way forward, then prove it. (laughs) Prove it, because I'm going to put someone else out there with an alternative view of Star Wars, and I'll let the consumers decide. And if you fail, yeah. oh, well, too bad for you. We're going to go with the winner. And I think that's what Disney's doing. They're putting out alternate forms of Star Wars to see which one is more popular. And that's what we're going to go with because we screwed up <laughs> in 2012. <laughs> and We don't want to do that again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think it's very interesting what they've got going on. I think at this point, as we move forward, Kennedy will operate, continue to operate as a figurehead leader with the nuts and bolts business side responsibilities mm-hmm. of Lucasfilm, but more of a figurehead. You're going to have, Rejuan will continue to oversee the actual story content. That's what she'll do. Mm-hmm. And then Favreau and Filoni will do their thing. Feige will do their thing mm-hmm. and we'll be fine with that. In all honesty, as long as everybody knows roughly what people are doing, as long as you're not creating continuity problems, that's okay. That, now we have the three factions going forward. The question is, Stephen, will all three go forward in perpetuity or is one going to become the dominant species and eat the other two? Right? That's the question.
1: I think naturally one's going to probably become the way. Like, they'll say this is the way and, right. and they go forward, which right. is probably going to be Favreau and Filoni because Mandalorian was such a success. Right. But I don't know. It would be weird if they wound up, like, Feige became more of a force in Star Wars and wound up bumping up against those two. Because that would be an interesting little, like, Conflict, I guess, but I don't know. I think Kathleen. I mean, Kathleen's side has already been shunted off to the side that makes the least amount of money, anyway. So yeah, that's a sign, isn't it? Yeah, it's go create this thing that we can have other people make more money doing things in later, and then (laughs) right, right. Well, and then you'll keep getting your paycheck. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: And it's interesting. There are differences. There are. We're not going to really focus on Feige in this discussion because I think he is the outlier. Maybe we'll be proven wrong and he takes over Lucasfilm and, oh, egg in our face. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But I really want to focus on the different because there are very different approaches going forward between the Favreau-Filoni camp and the Kennedy and the Story Group camp. There are two very different approaches going forward. Favreau and Filoni have brought back something that has been utterly lacking with Kathleen Kennedy, Kiri Hart and their story group. And that is respecting the fans. Mm. You don't insult the fans. You don't attack the fans. You don't mock them. You don't call them names. You don't see any of that. Favreau and Filoni, they respect the fans. You can, there is a Mm -hmm. clear respect. It is obvious. That was never evident with Kennedy and her minions when they took over Lucasfilm. Favreau and Floney, Mm -hmm. they have that. They also, Favreau and Floney, also clearly respect and love the Star Wars universe as established by George Lucas. That is obvious. Mm -hmm. Okay, now that might lead to criticisms of, okay, were they doing too much fan service? Are they doing too much nostalgia? That's a separate argument, you know, and that is absolutely a discussion to be had in a review of The Mandalorian, no doubt about it. But for the purpose of this discussion it is obvious that Favreau and Filoni clearly have great respect for George Lucas and the Star Wars universe that he established. Whereas it was obvious that Kennedy and Cary Hart and their Lucasfilm story group absolutely hated it, had no respect for Lucas and the evil patriarchy that he created with the original Star Wars. They didn't like it and they wanted to rip it all down. Those are two huge differences in Mm -hmm. the approach For me, I think the approach that is respectful to fans, respectful to Lucas, and respectful to the Star Wars stories we've got in the past, I think Mm -hmm. that is the way, to quote uh, The Mandalorian, I think that is the way forward. Yeah. What do you think? Or do you think there's something to being uh, tearing everything up and being confrontational and aggressive?
1: Well, I definitely don't think there's anything, especially not business sense-wise, for that. I Obviously, like the idea of like you know, okay, let's you know, let's try to move like let's try to like move forward with this franchise. But I also am like, well, you can't move forward if you don't respect George Lucas's original creation. Right. right. So I feel like you have to have both together in order to you have to balance the force. Yes. Yes. Move forward. <laughs> see,
0: see what I did there? So balance. I like it. I like it. Yes. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. I, that was very that was very zen of me. <laughs> I think Faber and Floney, uh you know, they they they're based in love, and I think there was a little bit of hate, mm-hmm. a little bit of hate with Kennedy and her minions when they took over Star Wars. Yeah. A little bit of hate, and and we know where hate leads, Stephen. It leads to the dark side, doesn't it?
1: Leads to anger, leads to fear, to the to the leads to the drive-through at Burger King at two in the morning, <laughs> and then to the. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the. I'm thinking of my Saturday nights, I'm sorry. There you go, there you go, fair enough, fair enough. Um,
0: And the other, the third biggest difference between the Favreau-Feloni approach and the Kennedy and her minions approach is Mm Favreau-Feloni clearly, clearly are focusing first on entertainment and adventure. Yeah. That's what Mm -hmm. they're there. They're not here to push any kind of agenda they're just not mm-hmm. they're not here to push an agenda right. they're here to entertain you end of story Star Wars is popcorn <laughs> for the brain. it's fun. Mm-hmm. life sucks. we're in a pandemic. our politics suck. life is not good. We all need escapist entertainment and that's what Star right. Wars provides, right where mm-hmm. as we as we as talked about in part one of this look into Star Wars, we quoted the New York Times piece from back in 2020 uh, back 2012 mm-hmm. where, Kerry Hart and Kennedy were point blank. The Our goal here is to create these great female characters. That's our goal. That, that is our mm-hmm. main goal with Star Wars. They, yeah. they, they said it. It's not made up. It's right there in the New York Times. That is mm-hmm. leading with an agenda. How about you just make cool yeah. characters and cool stories, and it'll work out. But when you lead with an agenda over entertainment, over cool stories and cool characters, what happens is you never get the cool stories or cool characters. That's right. what happens. Instead, you get archetypes. You get Ray arch- is an archetype. Princess Leia became an archetype. Uh, mm-hmm. Holda was an archetype. These are all archetypes. These aren't real people. You don't care for them. You don't connect with them. You don't feel their struggles because they don't have struggles. They're archetypes. Right. So... Mm-hmm. It, Whereas, look what Favreau and Filoni have created. You've got cool characters like Cara Dune. Is she perfect? No, mm-hmm. she's terribly flawed. But she's compelling. You connect with her. She's yeah. interesting. She's real. She's got three-dimensional qualities. Fennec Shan's character. Is she perfect? No, she's a bad guy. <laughs> she's a bad guy, okay? I mean, yeah. but she is compelling, okay? Mm-hmm. At, and, and she's a character you're interested in because she's not perfect. She is Mary Gray, she walks that line with Boba Fett. They might be good. They might uh-huh. be bad. It depends on the scenario, right? Right. And so... Yeah, there are, there are new scenarios, of course. Yeah, it just makes sense. Exactly. I think that third leg that really differentiates between Kennedy's camp and, and Favreau and Filoni's camp, focusing on entertainment and cool stories and adventures over a particular mm-hmm. agenda, I also think that is the winning pass, the path forward. Because what's going to happen mm-hmm. is you're eventually going to have just cool characters that will satisfy your, your desire for some cool female Star Wars characters. That will happen naturally mm-hmm. because you're just trying to create mm-hmm. cool stories. But you can't start with an agenda first. It never works. What do you think?
1: Yeah. Um, I agree. I'd also like to point out that as much as um, Kathleen Kennedy and her team have wanted to like diversify Star Wars, I feel like Fabra and Filoni have done it more I guess, naturally, because, I mean, they have like the characters in front of the screen, like obviously um, yes. Cara Dune and Bo-Katan and yes. uh, Fennig Chan are women, yes. and Fenny Chan is an Asian woman. But even behind the camera, there's so much more diversity than Kennedy ever got on her movies. The yes. three movies she made were directed by two white guys, Yeah, and then Rogue One was directed by a white guy. Yeah. Uh, Solo was directed by two white guys, and they were replaced by another white guy, yep. another yep. old white guy, yep. Ron Howard. Yep. While well, they've had, you know, they've had Ron Howard's daughter on the yep. Mandalorian. That's right. They had uh, Taika Waititi, yep. uh, uh, Rick uh, uh, Fubyawa, uh, Deborah Chow. Like that's
0: Robert Rodriguez. Carl Weathers
1: directed one. Robert Rodriguez, like mm-hmm. yeah. That's pretty diverse. Yeah. And sometimes behind the camera is more important than and, in front of the camera. At the
0: least ca- I think so. Yeah. No. And so. the characters themselves. Look, I mean, l- let's compare mm-hmm. the New Republic to Faber and Filoni's offerings. The New Republic, you're going to get a bunch of black and white characters, and you're done. Whereas right. Filoni's got black, white, Asian, Hispanic, Polynesian, even. I mean, You yeah, got literally Morrison, yeah. yeah, you got literally everything. It's <laughs> it's way more diverse. Mm-hmm. So, and, yeah. and yet, and yet, there's no agenda. And yet there's no agenda. Mm-hmm. See how that works? Another difference between the two camps is how they handle it. it kind of builds off whether you have an agenda or not. You know, there's no right. the Favreau and Filoni, you know, Gina Carano is, is on there, is, is in the Mandalorian. It's rumored that her character Cara Dune will be on the, uh, the new Rangers of the public, uh, mm-hmm. show now, she is uh, pretty conservative. I've seen the articles, I've seen her tweets, and uh, she and I have very yeah. divergent views on the pandemic and the yeah. science behind the pandemic. Uh, so, yeah. I do not agree with her on her political views, but I don't care. I don't watch the yeah. show because of her political views. I could care. I-, I don't agree with a lot of the political views of Mark Hamill either, by the way. And mm-hmm. I love him. So it's okay for me not to agree with the political views of different actors. I don't care about that. But the fact sure. is people that do have outwardly conservative views tend not to be employed in Hollywood for very long. That mm-hmm. is also true. If Corona was working under Kennedy, I think she would be fired by now. Favro, though, yeah. uh, Favreau has the, has the call over that okay mm-hmm. Chapec's not well, gonna sure. Chapek's not gonna tell Favreau to fire someone if Favreau wants them yeah you, you don't tell the golden goose what to do when he's making you <laughs> money hand over fist right yeah so this is also yeah. again this goes along with the avoiding agenda approach faber is like look Favro is he's well known steven for being a a, mm. a, a non-political guy he he doesn't yeah. lead with his politics ever period end of story he doesn't i mean i'm sure he's left of center i've i, I no doubt about that he's in hollywood that would be normal but he doesn't lead with it mm-hmm. he doesn't talk about it he doesn't make it a big deal and faber also has a squeaky yeah. squeaky clean image the fact that he's like look I, I don't i'm not here to be political i'm here to entertain that's what mm-hmm. i get paid the big bucks for yeah. and he's damn good at it i don't think mm-hmm. you would have seen this under kennedy uh, you've also seen and i think i think you know like a nfl head coach you know the players kind of mimic their personality right if it's mm-hmm. a successful head coach, Fabro's a successful guy, and I think his actors are are mimicking his personality because after Carano was being harassed on Twitter by people who don't agree with her views, you had mm-hmm. uh, Ming-Na Wen and Pedro Pascal immediately coming to her support, saying, we love you, you're mm-hmm. awesome, you're fantastic, you're a wonderful person, sure, kind of showing that, hey, we may not <laughs> agree with your politics, but you're yeah. a great person, we love you, and we totally support you. That's... Also, something you probably wouldn't see with the Kennedy faction. They would never come out yeah. and support someone like Carano. They'd be like, screw you, you're dead to us. <laughs> so it shows yeah. you that Favreau is creating a, this is what our goal is. Let's mm-hmm. leave this agenda stuff to the side. and Let's all get in the same team and let's all work together toward just creating awesome entertainment that's really successful that the fans like. I, th- I think you're kind of yeah. seeing that. That message filter from the top down on the Felony Favreau side that you wouldn't have seen on Kennedy. What, what What do you think?
1: Yeah, and another thing I think is interesting is because, um, I mean, you see, I mean, there's some people that are just like in cameos, like, you know, like Jesus Sedakis as a stormtrooper and blah, blah, blah. But right. I was surprised to see, you know, that like Bill Burr yes. was on yes. uh, one of the episodes. He's on two of them. And, you know, Bill Burr, I. Yeah, two of them, that's right. And like I love Bill Burr. I think he's fantastic. Oh, he is funny. Um I know he's very controversial. Yeah. But and you know if you were if you had somebody who was a little more like I guess like PC minded, they yeah, wouldn't yeah. have hired him, but oh, because really Haver just wants him. people who are good then <laughs> Yeah. He hired him. And you know what he turned out to be great. I didn't awesome. know Bill Burr could
0: act like that. So it was oh. nice it was nice to see him. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, Catherine Kennedy would not have hired him. No. That would not have ever happened Definitely in a million, not. A million years. <laughs> but that shows fabulous. Like, look, man, diversity is just not ethnic. Diversity is also right. viewpoints.
1: Viewpoints.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that is even, that is probably the most important diversity is mm-hmm. viewpoints because we're all so different. Even if we're of the same ethnicity, yeah. we're not hive mind. Despite what some people might think, ethnicities <laughs> don't share hive minds. We're all individuals right. with our own unique perspectives on life and reality mm-hmm. And I think Fabro gets that and he's bringing in yeah. people he's bringing in people from really different diverse backgrounds that Kennedy would never ever ever have brought in, Right ever have brought in. Uh, f- Funny side note about Bill Burr, some fans got were all getting on him because he they let him keep his Boston accent, had strong Boston accent. and he was like, "Are you <laughs> kidding me? There are people in Star Wars with British accents. People in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Timothy Olyphant had his you know Western Cowboy accent. Why can't I have a Boston accent? What, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fair point. I think, he, I think Bill Burr is right on that one. no, um, so, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Another difference, with the Favreau-Filoni side being more open mm-hmm. and more accepting and more loving than the Kennedy side mm-hmm. had been, Damn. Um, Mark Hamill, the excitement that Mark Hamill had over mm-hmm. his CGI young Luke appearing on The Mandalorian... It was so yeah. authentic. You could see where Hamill, after going through The Last Jedi, I think what Favreau and Floney did in The Mandalorian really, really meant a lot to him. Really mm-hmm. meant a lot to him. Seeing all the actors of The Mandalorian just give nothing but love for Luke Skywalker and Mark Hamill was, was just so cool. And for a longtime fan like me, that was just awesome. You know, because I, I just really think, mm-hmm. I really think Luke Skywalker and Mark Hamill, just were, they were just done dirty. By Johnson. Mm-hmm. I just, and, and Kennedy. They just wore And what's really cool is Peyton Reed was the director for the season two finale of The Mandalorian. And just yesterday, uh, Reed was on Twitter, mm-hmm. did a tweet to, to Mark Hamill Dear Mark Hamill, when I was a kid, this photo hung on my bedroom wall, Star Wars. And Lou Skywalker in particular meant a great deal to me. Some things never change. It was an honor and a dream to come true to work with you on. The Mandalorian, thank you. And Hamill responded, and this was just, this tells you all you need to know. Hamill's response is, dear, at Mr. Peyton Reed, I am so grateful to have Mm -hmm. been given the unexpected opportunity to revisit my character, ready, when he was still a symbol of hope and optimism. That's one middle finger for Kathleen Kennedy and one middle finger for Ryan Johnson. You're assured direction and kindness was a crucial element in the experience and more, it means more to me than I can say thank you. This is what I'm talking about, Steven. Star Wars should not be a place of hate and rage and shitting on things and just ripping things apart. That's not... Star Wars should be fun. Fun for everyone. Fun and exciting. Yeah. And people... Loving and respecting each other, and this is and you just there was no love and respect under Kennedy, Hart, and the rest of that group. There was no love and respect. There was mm-hmm. no fun. There was no joy. And this is what you're seeing. Yeah. It's like, it's like a renaissance is happening among the people involved in Star Wars with Faber and Filoni and the, you know the actors, the the directors, and the fans. This is so much more positive for everyone involved than where we were in 2017, mm-hmm. 2018. Right. What do you think?
1: I mean, I agree. It's hard for me to get too uh, attached to the thing with Peyton Reed. Cause I, I don't think he's a very good director. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. But you know, f- <laughs> fair enough, you know, props right, to him. Right, that right, may right. have been his idea to actually get Mark Hamill. I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not going to not take, I'm not going to take points away from him that I don't know if they deserve to be, but, right. you know, but I think you are, I think you're right. It's nice to, um, it's nice to see more positivity going forward. Yep. The only thing that I sense as bothersome so far, and this is just, you know, it's the internet. So of course it's going to be right. Is that whenever, like when people have like the, the critique of, you know, like, Oh, I was kind of disappointed that, you know, it wasn't a new Jedi or, Oh, it had to be Luke Skywalker right, because right. you have to tie back to star Wars. Like, oh, their mentions were a mess after <laughs> yeah. that because, oh, you just don't know how to have fun. You'd hate Star blah, right. blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I thought we were past this. All yeah. right.
0: <laughs> now, there will always be an element of that no matter but, what because that's how human beings are. Yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, it's, but that that's okay. Just, you know, right. write, write that off and, right. you know, it's, just be happy that like, people are happy for it. You it, know, try to. I try to try to remember that <laughs> exactly, um, especially
0: during the pandemic. Yes, yes, amen to that. And the other the other big development with uh, Favreau and Feloni going mm-hmm. forward, and this again shows that this is another break from the Kennedy Hart Lucasfilm story group approach. Evidently, there is a rumor running around. I saw it on, um, you know, it's all over the internet. I, I personally saw it on, on Inside the Magic, but I, it's, it's that's not the only place. They're not exclusively reporting on it. But on January 11th, it popped up online that there, uh, it might be that Favreau and Filoni will be bringing in George Lucas for season three of The Mandalorian. Wow. That is a in what, surprise. The, in what capacity? We don't know yet. It just, there's a report that mm-hmm. says George Lucas will be, quote, more heavily involved, end quote, with season three mm-hmm. of The Mandalorian. And more heavily involved than he has ever been before. No other details were offered at that time. That's, okay, mm-hmm. Stephen, that is that is a massive break between Carrie uh, Hart, Kathleen Kennedy, and their group because they wanted to pee all over everything with George Lucas. They didn't want anything to do with that guy <laughs> bringing him in. I mean, it just further cements the shift in approach. This is, uh, that's, yeah. that's a big deal. I like George Lucas as a, as an idea guy, you know, mm-hmm. and, as someone in bounce ideas off of to get some creative input for some of the overarching concepts for the show. I don't like George Lucas. If you're actually saying George, you know, write the script for me. <laughs> Okay, yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not crazy about, like, <laughs> script writing George Lucas. I love George Lucas, the big idea guy, though. Absolutely. Right. No doubt about it. So yeah. I think this is exactly, I mean, you're, you got Filoni there to handle the writing duties. You got Favreau mm-hmm. and his friends to handle the directing duties. So you've, you've alleviated two of my biggest concerns with George Lucas, right? Uh-huh. Leaving George yeah. just to be the creative idea guy. Mm-hmm. I like it. I think this, again, this is awesome. This goes in line with Favreau and Filoni's approach of being more respectful and showing more love to what's come before. It's just a completely different approach than Kennedy and Hart had. I like this news. I think it's fun. What do you think?
1: It's surprising given that I, I thought George Lucas was like, I thought he was done with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like okay. after, he, after he signed that check. Or after they signed that check to him, I thought he was pretty done. He was openly was not happy about the direction the the sequels were going in. Yes. Because he he wanted to do something different. He said, Oh, I just wanted to do fan service. Mm -hmm. And he's like, That's not what I wanted to do.
0: He actually wanted to do something
1: different. Very different if the rumors about what he wanted to do with episode seven Mm -hmm. were true. Um, I don't know if I would have dug that, but it would have been different.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: it's not a surprise, I guess, because, I mean, Dave Filoni has worked, worked for him when he was still ahead head of Lucasfilm, so um, they, they have a relationship, and, you know, Filoni deferred to him on all the cartoon stuff yep. if something had to be decided upon, so, mm-hmm. you know, it makes sense. It would be cool to see what he has to offer. I don't know if Time Away has... Made his ideas better, right? Right. Or or not? <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I think it would be um, it would be cool because I know he was on set for the Mandalorian last season because he was there when Rosario Dawson was there as Ahsoka. They had like behind the scenes mm-hmm. of him being on set and whatnot. So that would be pretty interesting. He may have come by and seen what they're doing and was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I could be a part of this." Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: I'll have to hear what he's doing. Right. Obviously before right. I, what kind of capacity you know. this is. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, and what's also interesting
0: as we as we move forward between these two f- competing factions, and this, mm-hmm. is a little, this is a little tip of the hand as well as to maybe who has the inside track to becoming the dominant species in Lucasfilm, in a uh, December 19, 2020 interview, Bob Iger likened Favreau to George Lucas himself. That's a comparison I've not heard Iger give to Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or anyone Kennedy has brought in. Right. Iger doesn't say that casually. No. That is a clear insight into how the Disney top brass view Favreau versus Kennedy and her cohorts. Mm-hmm. And right. that might be a little tip of the hand as far as which side of this uh, race as the uh, most like uh, most likely to uh, become the dominant species in Lucasfilm. You you think this is right. not, you think you think that's you know that's that's the case or this is just an offhand comment that doesn't really portend anything else.
1: People in business like to say these grand proclamations about people they work with that make right. the money all the time. Um, I remember when M Night Shyamalan was the next Hitchcock <laughs> and stuff like that. Right, right. But um, I don't know he. It definitely could be. It could be both of those things, you know, Mm -hmm. some grand proclamation, but also uh, I hate you, Kathleen. So I'm (laughs) just gonna say that. Um,
0: You're tacky. I I
1: personally, (laughs) yeah, I personally don't see the comparison. I think Favreau. Like, if I were to make a comparison, I would compare Felony and Favreau to Walt and Roy Disney, right? Yes, that's well.
0: Yes, that's a good. Yes, yeah, I
1: think Fabro has the nuts and bolts of like actual film work and production down, and Filoni is more of the this is the Star Wars fan who is in charge of telling the story, yep. and they come together and make you know good material. Agreed. So that's, that's
0: a really but, interesting you know, comparison.
1: Yeah, but I think that I think that's a I mean it's a very bold proclamation. But it is. I mean it's not entirely inaccurate. I guess right. I think the two of them together make a good. Make a better George Lucas than George Lucas of recent
0: years. I so. would agree with that. I would agree with that. Yeah, and of course <laughs> the competing side, Kathleen Kennedy and her supporters. Right now, the Lucasfilm Story Group is is much different than what it was before, uh, when the Last Jedi mm-hmm. tore yeah. the fan base apart. Now you've got it. It's it's no longer all female. Of course, it's it, you've got four women and I don't know six or seven guys on yeah. the on the story group so it's more of a diverse group of writers <laughs> they they finally figured out let's 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 fix this so but but they have yes. a very even though it may not be all female, they still have these similar sensibilities of Kathleen Kennedy and part mm-hmm. of that entails a bizarre hatred for a uh, George Lucas's Star Wars and and Luke Skywalker and a uh, mm-hmm. a tendency to be aggressive with fans, so they continue to take their cues right. from their from their NFL head coach, right, Kathleen Kennedy. They take yep. the cues from her. Uh, you've you've seen the attacks on fans have continued uh, after the season finale to season two of the Mandalorian came out and the response to Luke Skywalker. There was a particular very popular YouTuber, Star Wars Theory. I don't watch, but. I'd never heard of him. This guy evidently had had cancer as a kid, and while he's going through cancer, Star Wars was huge to him. Luke Skywalker was his favorite character, and this is what he used as his. As a lot of people, especially kids who have cancer, they usually have something that they really f- focus in on that gives them the mm-hmm. their inspiration to fight cancer because it, it's that's that's right. scary as a kid. Uh, scary for anybody, but in mm-hmm. you know, particular, kid. Anyhow, so because of that, he of course has a, the strong connection to, to Luke Skywalker. Well, he watches the season finale. He posts a video on his YouTube channel, and he's he cries. Right? Mm-hmm. Not what I would do. But again, I I, I wasn't a, a sick child with cancer who, bonded right. with Luke Skywalker to get me through cancer treatment. Okay. I mean, I people have to be <laughs> self aware enough to understand the difference between you and other people in the world. There is, right. <laughs> Okay, and. The reaction, uh, Pablo Hidalgo then tweets, um, uh, quote tweets, uh, this YouTuber's link to his video and says, emotions are not for sharing. This is what I'm talking about. Why are you purposely going out of your way to attack a fan who wasn't doing anything wrong? Uh, Yeah. At all. Why would would you do that? You work for Lucasfilm. That's Mm -hmm. insane. I would have fired that guy. I would have fired him. Yeah. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. I don't need you. Okay? You're, you are not <laughs> irreplaceable. I can find lots of people to do yeah. your job. Okay? I mean, get, get, yeah. you know, Hollywood's full of people <laughs> who can do that guy's job. I mean, who the hell is Pablo mm-hmm. Hidalgo? I've never heard of the guy. Neither of you. Nobody mm-hmm. has. Yeah. You're a nobody. But it shows the Kathleen Kennedy approach. We hate Luke Skywalker. They were mad that he was brought back. They were mad they didn't know. They were mad that Luke Skywalker bigfooted their High Republic initiative. They're mm-hmm. angry that that Felony and Favreau are the hot thing. They're angry that they're bringing back the George Lucas. They're angry, 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 and then you attack your, and you attack fans. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know Disney forced him to delete the tweet. He had to issue an apology. He then took his Twitter account private. So it's, it does all the things you do when you know you were an idiot. Yeah. You couple that with you know Justin Ireland telling people not to buy our fans, not to buy her book, Star Wars book. You know it's just. <laughs> It's, they can't help themselves. For no, why mm-hmm. The Pablo Hidalgo thing just blows my mind. Why would you ever do that? Anyhow, it shows this continued aggressiveness to the fans and to George Lucas' Star Wars. Yeah. I don't see how that is the right path forward, Stephen. I don't. I don't see how that mm-hmm. is the winning formula. What do you think?
1: Now, look, um, I didn't know that that he had you know gone through cancer, the guy, the YouTuber. I think it's Star Wars Theory yeah. is, uh, is the channel. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, because the Star Wars channel, I kind of, like, accepted, you know, you know it's Luke's hour, so I'm going to have a reaction. Yeah, sure, now, when yeah. I see most people on Twitter talking about, like, that scene, like, it's the greatest thing ever put on film, I, like, I roll my eyes and be like, okay, whatever, and right. just kind of try to move on with my day. But if I'm working for Lucasfilm, then I would, I guess my reaction would be, I would turn to the person next to me and kind of, like, have, like, a side-eye look and then be like, well, at least it pays my paycheck and just be happy that people are enjoying the product that much, you know? Correct. Because it's, it's like, you can be annoying Yes. In some ways that Star Wars series is different because the intense personal connection is that's correct. And that's, you know, but when most people act like that, you know, it is kind of annoying, but if you work for the company that makes that thing and people react strongly to that thing, you'd be happy about it. Yes. Because that means they like your thing and want to yes. pay more money to have more of a thing. <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't, I, I, I just, I, yeah. I I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I think when you compare the two groups, I, I do think my personal opinion, as we've gone to comparison between the two factions, I do think the Favro filoni faction is going to become the dominant species. I'm not saying Kennedy's going to be let go. She's already been kneecapped enough. She doesn't, she already has a lot of her control stripped away from her. I think she stays. Mm-hmm. She certainly stays through the yeah. life of her contract, whether she re-ups the contract or not. That's an entirely different story. I, I who knows, right? But I think she's there yeah. throughout her her contract extension for sure. But I do think mm-hmm. the Fabro-Filoni faction becomes the dominant species. I do think that becomes the more popular side of Star Wars. What's your what's your gut reaction or prediction?
1: uh Sam, I think the because the Mandalorian's making money for them, and it's it's not making anybody angry. So why would they not go that way going forward?
0: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and you can see yeah. certain things. Uh, Certain things are, are, you can see where Disney's starting to make a shift to the Favreau-Filoni side of Lucasfilm. They have, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously the Mandalorian succeeded. I didn't think it was ever going to happen after Last Jedi, Steven. I really didn't. But it Mm -hmm. succeeded in finally unifying the Star Wars fan base. It did. It finally unified the fan base. Mm -hmm. It gave Disney its first big win since The Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. Right? And yeah, and it uh, it it, it I think it's even bigger when than Force Awakens because it's also driven merchandise sales and it's con- yeah. and it's had long standing popularity. Not like oh, Force Awakens, mm-hmm. Star Wars is back, and then a year <laughs> later, okay, well, yeah, all right, whatever. You know what I mean? It's it's con- it's a s- sustained <laughs> excitement, and it has clearly supercharged Star Wars. Across the board, Disney Plus and in consumer products, sales, it's hot. I mean, Baby Yoda was like the hottest Christmas item there was. I mean, they, they couldn't mm. put enough Mandalorian merchandise in their parks. I mean, they just couldn't. The demand was off the charts. And they haven't, like you said in, in one of our prior podcasts, even Disney, uh, Kennedy never really was able to create anything that you would want to make a toy out of, mm. uh, you know? Yeah. And that's something Lucas knew how to do, and Favreau and Floney obviously did. So, well, I mean, let's be
1: honest. That's the reason. That's the only reason why they made Baby Yoda a Baby Yoda. Yes, because they knew immediately. It's like oh, toy. Nope, this thing. And yeah. people um, are gonna go nuts over it. And of them. course, and all the memes, of course. Oh my which, god, yes. Which do a lot for longevity these days. Yes, they do. If you can make a meme out of something, then you basically hit the gold mine. Amen,
0: brother. <laughs> You're right. Uh, and of course, you know, the Mandalorian, you know, it became, uh, they've, I've seen some of the, uh, the Hollywood reporter had some of the uh, streaming numbers, but the Mandalorian became the mm-hmm. first program on a streaming platform other than Netflix to yeah. claim the top spot. Uh, it, the rankings that were used according to the Hollywood reporter included Amazon's prime video, Hulu, Disney plus, and Netflix. Mm-hmm. it, it The Mandalorian drew 1.34 billion minutes of viewing time in the week of December 14 to 20. It's highest weekly total to date. That's of 2020. And the Mandalorian's uh, eighth consecutive week in the top 10 also extends the show's record for longest run in the rankings. Mm. That is phenomenal. That's the kind of stuff that makes Chapek really, really happy. That's what he wants to see. Yeah, and uh, I think that is that is going to uh, is going to supercharge Favreau and Filoni going forward as the dominant species yeah. in Lucasfilm. Furthermore, mm-hmm. the Mandalorian didn't just post big numbers itself, and I know this is going to make Chapek happy as well, Stephen. It didn't just post mm-hmm. big numbers itself; it also caused a huge bump in viewing for two other shows. The Mandalorian mm. caused Star Wars The Clone Wars viewing to increase, even by 104% during The Mandalorian's <laughs> run. Wow. It caused Star Wars Rebels uh, viewing to increase by 128%. That is amazing. So now you've got, not a, not only do you have a show that posts huge numbers, but it's a rising tide lifts all boats, right? And it's pulling other shows up right. with it. The writing is on the wall, Stephen. You give Favreau and Floney mm-hmm. more shows that are in this same timeline, right? In this mm-hmm. same little world that they're creating. And you can see where they're all just going to kind of lift up together, right? Mm-hmm. That's pretty powerful. That's something that Kennedy's side does not have. They don't have it. Right. You, you might say, hey, we got some nice uh, nice comic book sales. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> 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 that, that, that's adorable. We're talking billions yeah. over here with Disney Plus. You're talking, you know, pennies. Mm-hmm. And of course, other the other thing that's important is we cannot stress it enough. And you're right, toys and merchandise sales is it's huge, Stephen. I know in, mm-hmm. in uh, there was an interview with Diamond Select Toy President Chuck Terciera. Now, Diamond Select Toys is going to be more of a target, not for kids, obviously. That's really the collector market versus mm-hmm. you know children buying toys. Make no mistake, Disney wants to sell. Toys to kids, for sure. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Of course. But the collector market is, it's huge. It's huge mm-hmm. for Star Wars. And that's a, that's a big area they want it. they make a lot of money in. Well, uh, yeah. in this April 13, 2020 interview, uh, the president of Diamond Select Toys says, I will say from what we have seen, the sales on the products from Star Wars, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi were not too strong. He goes, the Star yeah. Wars brand is very strong with The Mandalorian and The Clone Wars. End quote. So it's clear Mandalorian people want Mandalorian merchandise. That's what they want. The collectors do and the kids, Mm -hmm. because the kids want baby Yoda, right? So you've got, you've got a product that satisfies both the collectors and the kids. You haven't Mm. had that at all in the past. That's huge as well. As you look from the success on the streaming platform, the success in, in toy sales and merchandise. And then you turn to another area. It's very important to Bob Chapek. Very important, mm-hmm. because this is where he came from. He ruined our parks and resorts. Thank God he's not there anymore. He wa- Chepek was the president of the parks and resorts, and he just was just a penny-pinching idiot. That's a different uh, topic for a different day. Evidently, there are rumors that current chairman of Disney Parks Experiences and Products, Josh DiAmaro, has commissioned a study to de- determine the costs and logistics for transitioning Galaxy's Edge away from the sequel's timeline and over to the Mandalorian timeline. There have been other bits of news. Uh, Jim Hill on the Disney Dish podcast. He is my go-to man for anything Disney parks related. He, he mm. is like, he is the man. He's the gold standard. Yeah. He's reporting that Galaxy's Edge is no longer going to be set in the sequels timeline and only feature mm. sequel characters. That's done. He was very blunt. He goes, listen, the feedback Disney has gotten was people are showing up and they're like, I don't want to see Kylo Ren and, Kylo Ren and Rey where's where's the Mandalorian where's baby Yoda nobody wants to see these sequel characters there's no there's no demand for I mean no demand for it so uh Jim Hill also reported that the Mandalorian baby Yoda Ahsoka and Boba Fett will all be coming to Galaxy's Edge as character meet and greets it's official it will happen those will be, they, they, they can only do but so many meet and greets, so you can't have but so many characters at one time, they only have but so much room to have right. these meet and greets, right? Mm-hmm. They've got dedicated areas where these meet and greets happen. So, and usually mm-hmm. you see them limited to like, you know, three to four to five at the most. So the ones they have going with Mandalorian, Baby Yoda, Ahsoka, and Boba Fett, they're going to be there. They're going to be the meet and greets. These are the characters, evidently, that Disney is being told by the Disney park goers. These are the characters that people are clamoring to meet. These are mm-hmm. the ones that these are the four that come up the most often, which that's not a surprise, yeah. right? Jim Hill's reporting the first time ever the Disney executives actually have popular Star Wars characters to put in the theme parks, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, because the sequel characters. Are so <laughs> Further, Jim Hill has reported that there's a possibility that Kyle, now they have this. It's impressive because everything they do with their parks is impressive—the sets and all. They have a full uh, Kylo, Kylo Ren spaceship there, right? set up Mm -hmm. there is rumors that that might go away and get replaced by the razor's edge the mandalorian Mm -hmm. spaceship of course so look disney doesn't make changes to their baby which is disneyland and disney world make no mistake Mm -hmm. that's where the big money's coming from they don't make changes to that unless they think that is the path forward So if Faber and Filoni are now getting their stuff into the parks and Kennedy's is getting thrown out of the parks, well, I can tell you because I know Chapek, I'm very familiar with him being a Disney Parks fan. I know how he operates. He is all about the merch. He is all about Mm -hmm. the IP. That's all he cares about, right? If they're powering his parks, that's who he's going to have run Lucasfilm or be the... Mm -hmm or be the dominant species in Lucasfilm. I can tell you right now. That's what yeah. J. Peck is going to give all the power to in Lucasfilm. That's what I think. I could be totally wrong. That's how I read the tea leaves, Stephen. What do you think?
1: Uh, I mean, you know more about the parks and stuff than I do. I tend to have the feeling that if, as you go the parks, so goes everything else that make the most money. So right. I think most everything that they do, movies, TV, whatever, there's an element of, can I make something in the park from this? Right. I mean, yeah, because you never know what's going to sell the crap to the toys to kids. So. You don't. Exactly. Um,
0: <laughs> so we think the faber filoni faction is going to win out at the end and become the dominant force in Lucasfilm based on mm-hmm. everything that we're seeing going on in toys and merch and parks and streaming service numbers. Mm-hmm. It all's pointing to that, right? It's all pointing to that. Yeah. So if that's the case, Stephen, where does Disney go from here? I have seen rumors, there yeah. have been rumors that, and who knows, internet rumors are internet rumors, right, Stephen? So take it with a grain of salt mm-hmm. what we're about to say. But there are rumors that there's a possibility that Favreau and Filoni could reboot or retcon away the sequels. People are saying this because, evidently, with the Ahsoka TV show, The World Between Worlds, the, Ven- the Virgin Scatter, it's a, a mystical plane within the Force that serves as a collection of doors and pathways existing between time and space, linking all moments in time together. Mm -hmm. And evidently, that is in in Ahsoka's logo, and it's getting people to think that, hmm, maybe maybe this might come into play. We know that this was used in the Star Wars Rebels cartoon. We know that Mm -hmm. because Ezra Bridger discovered the world's key and was able to unlock and enter the world between worlds first, right? And mm-hmm. after saving Ahsoka from the past, he pulled her into to the realm and was gonna change the fate of his master, Canon, you know, Canon Jarus and, and mm-hmm. all that. So they were really using it a lot in Star Wars Rebels. Right. And that's Filoni's baby, right? And mm-hmm. so and we know that that Ahsoka is going to be kind of a sequel to Star Wars Rebels. Mm-hmm. So, Stephen, is there a chance Favreau and Filoni could use this device to show that the sequels are in an alternate reality, but not the actual timeline of the original trilogy and prequels? Go, Steven.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Now, look, the reason I say this is because... Disney does not like to admit defeat. Right. They don't like to change course like dramatically. Right. 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 Like at all. Right. Like doing this, like getting back with the fans, ignoring the sequels. I think that's what, that's what they've been doing. I think that's what they're going to keep doing. Agreed. I don't think they will ever rewrite it because that implies that they made a mistake. Yeah. And that's all, everything that they, that they did, that they made the, What four or five billion dollars on was not real, right? Or whatever. I don't. I don't think so. They'll ignore it. They'll beg Dave Filoni to care about it so he can fix it. Right. That's all. That's what they're gonna do. I. I think that time period is is off to the side. And in ten years, when everybody stops hating on it because we made something else that people don't like, right? Then, then we'll revisit it and try to be like, hey, remember this (laughs) and whatever and. That's how it's going. I do not believe they would jump through all those hoops and yeah. and say, "Yeah, we really screwed up, guys," cuz that's just not that's not the Disney way, man. I, I,
0: I agree, you know this. Steven. I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with you. I, that that doesn't sound like something Disney would do. That that's too much of an admission of defeat right there. All right, so let's put that out there. That can't happen. So now we're we're stuck yeah. with we're stuck with the sequels existing. Okay. They're there. We're going to kind of ignore them. Put them yeah. over to the side and them. How should Disney proceed forward with making star wars content and i guess before we really dive into that Stephen, i want you to tell me what do you personally think are the ingredients for quote-unquote good
1: Star wars. Mm-hmm. um i think going to to new worlds that you haven't seen before that was also a problem with the sequels it was just oh it's another hoth oh it's yeah. another tatooine oh it's another this Like, no, like at least like on the, on the Mandalorian, there's like, like really cool new worlds you haven't been to fun characters. They don't have to be skywalkers or whatever. The Mandalorian shown that Mm -hmm. a cool adventure, some good action stuff, space battles out of most of the stuff that's out there. That's sci-fi. I feel like it's the least complicated to get right. You know, just have fun. Show me something I haven't seen before. Yes some cool new characters cool action yes there you go yes it's, it's kind of simple and Star Wars on a on a certain level is incredibly simple it's not it's not a it's not Star Trek it's not Battlestar Galactica or Doctor Who it's not complicated it's no. just a good time you know
0: agreed Star Wars was originally meant for kids mm-hmm for the most part it was okay i remember yeah. the original star wars that wasn't that was definitely targeting kids mm-hmm. and you need to keep that in mind because you're right star trek yeah. and doctor who that they, they don't target kids mm-hmm. it, that's not their that's yeah. not their bailiwick okay mm-hmm. uh, and i'm with you i i think for me star wars is it is always got to be a proper blend of sci-fi fantasy and westerns yeah. and you can't forget any one of those three things. Okay. Right. And I think the sequels, among lots of the other problems they had, I think another problem was it often forgot the Western part. Right. Completely. Completely. <laughs> and it yeah. leaned mostly on sci-fi, a little bit of fantasy, a yeah. little bit of fantasy, and no Western. Right. That's a mistake that The Mandalorian mm-hmm. did not make. It is mm-hmm. clearly has Western in them. I mean, it's obvious it's Clint Eastwood. The Mandalorian is Clint Eastwood's man with no name. It is obvious. He even gives, yeah. the, I mean, the little half cape he has, that half cape. Thing. It, it's clearly the, the man with no name's half poncho. It's, it's obvious. Mm-hmm. The music, Stephen, for The Mandalorian sounds like mm-hmm. Ennio Morricioni. Yep. Okay. Make no mistake. That's a Western. And it's mm-hmm. sci-fi. And it's fantasy. You gotta right. have all three elements. For me, good Star Wars has all three elements. And then mm-hmm. I'm with you cool characters and an emphasis on fun mm-hmm. and adventure. Star Wars is a fun adventure, it's always right. an adventure. That's super mm-hmm. important. So, fun adventure with cool characters and neat aliens on neat worlds. Yeah. Boom, go. So that's what I think makes good Star Wars, right? And I think you're right. It's don't it's keep it simple, stupid. You don't need to overthink mm-hmm. this. You really don't. Right. For me, also the last thing I would add. Star Wars should be entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's not there for agendas. Whereas Star right. Trek and Doctor Who, mm-hmm. that's a different story. Star Trek mm-hmm. has always had an agenda since. The original Star Trek. It's always had mm-hmm. heavy, heavy political and social themes to it. Mm-hmm. Always has. That's that's the very yeah. DNA of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Star Wars has not. Never yeah. has. It's never been part of Star Wars' DNA. Ever. Ever. Mm-hmm. Ever. So don't get Absolutely. confused. You keep your agendas over in Star Trek. You don't put them in Star yeah. Wars. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. That's how I look at it. As as the as the, as Disney goes forward with this rebirth of, of Star Wars, how would you handle balancing fan service, nostalgia, honoring Lucas's creation, and still mm-hmm. creating new content? How would you balance that? Would you just drop some of that altogether? Or how would, if you were to give me a a, a recipe, how would you mix those ingredients in?
1: Well, I think with anything Star Wars, you have to have like a little bit of Nostalgia. I mean, the fact that Baby Yoda exists is—it was—it's such an obvious play to, oh, you know, like that's a little Yoda, and um, and then the Mandalorian plays into older Star Wars fans because they know what that is. They know what a Mandalorian is. They recognize the armor and the the getup and whatnot. But I really do. Th- I think leaning too heavily on that runs into the risk of making the galaxy feel like a cul-de-sac
0: Yes, where agreed. everybody's
1: related to Luke Skywalker or yeah. Han Solo or Darth Vader or whoever. Right. It's kind of like in Marvel
0: Comics uh, where everyone is related to Wolverine. E- e- right. Either, either. Like Wolverine's on every team. Right. And
1: Spider-Man <laughs> shows up at every issue of everything. And it's like, come on, y'all. Like, give it a little bit of a break. Agreed. You know? agreed. And that's why I really liked – I really like the season one of the Mandalorian mm-hmm. better than season two. Yep. I think season two also suffered from Iron Man two syndrome where it was like a backdoor pilot for everything else they were setting up. Right, right, right. But, and that's, and then at the end it was like, I, I get it. You know, it's, it's cool to see Luke Skywalker. And yeah. I wish that scene, the, he, the fight scene was directed better. Cause I watched that and I'm like, this could be a fan film on YouTube. Like there's yeah. nothing special about this. That's, that's Peyton Reed. You know, he's not a good action director. And what really bothered me about it, other than the CG on young Luke, which is, uh, it's It's ghastly. (laughs) Is that, you know, that like right after he shows up, they have that really like touching moment where man, the Mandalorian says goodbye to baby Yoda. And I was more invested in that. And like to go see everybody's like, Oh my God, Luke Skywalker was there. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, But that's not what was important. You know, it's this, it's the moment with these characters that's important. And to me, that really kind of bothered me because it felt like it felt kind of like something that they didn't need to have there. Because the real meat of that was those two characters saying goodbye to each other. It felt like I don't want to say cheap because that's really harsh. Right. But it felt like a very easy ploy of like Oh, this is going to get everybody talking on social media. But if you want like a a good recipe, there's a show that we both love called Mm -hmm. Cobra Kai on Netflix. Yes, yes. Um, The continuation of the Karate Kid, those Mm -hmm. movies. And I think they do a really good job of um, creating new characters that are interesting. Yes. Handling the old characters really well. What they have done with Johnny Lawrence's character has been really good, I think. yeah. And I think the way that they balance, like, the nostalgia of the original movies with advancing the story, giving more depth to these old characters, is really, that's what should have happened the whole time with Star Wars. Like, I think the thing about, one of the things about The Last Jedi, while I don't hate what they did with Luke, I think the problem with that is that there's not, not, it's not identifiable as old Luke Skywalker. Like, there's no through line of, how did he get from here to here? It's just, well, he's an old man who looks like Mark Hamill, and he's grumpy. (laughs) So, it's like, you have to have, there has to be some kind of halfway point of, you know, this is still Luke Skywalker. We have to identify what might have happened to go here. If they were going to do anything with those old characters instead of just resetting them on this like they did in the sequels, I would have preferred, this is how they've changed. This is how they're still the same. Mm -hmm. This is the journey they go on as opposed to, oh, we're just here to introduce the new cast basically. Right. And serve their story. Right. It's like, no, you know, if you're going to have them, like they need their time to develop. Yeah. And they, they blew that because, you know, they're like, oh, we were going to give Carrie Fisher episode nine. It's like, well, you know, she passed away, uh-huh. and you should have given her more time to begin with because mm-hmm. you know, it's one of the three main characters of Star Wars, you know? So it's kind of tough. Now, I would love it to if they did a show that was just not connected to any of this stuff, like new characters, new part of the galaxy we've never seen before,
0: mm-hmm.
1: stuff like that. Um, I know Disney's, Disney's marketing and need for nostalgia-driven Merchandise purchase, purchasing sure. might deny that sure. uh, a chance of happening, but I think if Felonia and Favreau do more of Mandalorian season one stuff going forward, where they do like, oh, uh, this is definitely Star Wars, but it's a different part of it, right? Then I think that they could find a, a lot of great success, and they won't have much complaint from me if they do that because yeah. that's really what I want. If the movies want right. to be like more nostalgic and like reference heavy, that's fine because mm-hmm. they don't they don't come out all the time. Yeah. There's not gonna be ten hours of it on, on my computer. Exactly. Or my T V. It's it's something I'm gonna see once or twice in a theater and that'll be it until, you know, two years from now. Right. It's like with the Bond movies, like they they all have a formula.
0: They do. we <laughs> don't
1: see them all the time. Yeah. So every time we see it it's like all right, I, I'm ready to go watch a James Bond movie. Right, right. I mean other than that, like I think Follow the Cobra Kai model. Do the do the Miyagi Do way. Yes. And yes. I think we'll, we'll have some some good success here. <laughs> I, I think
0: you I think you put your finger on it. I think Cobra Kai is the yeah. perfect example. That is my favorite streaming show currently. Sorry, Mandalorian. Yeah. You're my second favorite. Cobra Kai is my favorite <laughs> one. And I, I, and the reason why it's my favorite because I don't think there is a single show or movie that I've ever seen mm-hmm. that pulled off as successfully A sequel to a very old franchise. It just, Mm -hmm. no one's done it better. No one has done it better. It manages to Mm -hmm. perfectly honor the original Karate Kid movies. Mm -hmm. It um, manages to do justice and actually grow and make the original characters more compelling and interesting than ever before. Mm -hmm. It manages to add brand new elements to the storyline, brand new elements to the relationships. And brand new characters and the second generation characters that all adds to, mm-hmm. complements, and builds out the original storyline versus tearing apart and destroying. It's That's phenomenal. Right. It's how you do it. And I agree with you. I mm-hmm. would use the Cobra Kai method going forward with these Star Wars shows. That's how I would do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. If you give me, if you give me some uh, look, I like nostalgia as much as the next person. Don't get me wrong, I like nostalgia. It, it, the right amount of nostalgia and the right amount of fan service is not a bad thing. People often use that as mm-hmm. negatives. It's not. If, if it is the only thing you get, yeah. yes, of course that's bad. I mean, like, I, I like cookies, <laughs> but you know, if I eat cookies all day, it, I would not be very healthy. So you know, too much of anything mm-hmm. is not good, obviously. Uh, but right. <laughs> I think with, the, with, with, with with nostalgia and fan service. If you're giving me something, if you're going to show me a character from an older series, don't just give me them unchanged. Mm -hmm. Right. Show me how they have, because everyone grows, everybody grows. Show me, how have they grown since I last saw them? What happened in their Mm -hmm. lives? Don't just show me a totally different version, but not explain it to me, because then I'll just be like, well, that's stupid. Uh, right, you know. So, but I think you need to have. I would say if I was gonna mix it up, you know, give mm-hmm. me seventy five percent new content and twenty five percent mix of nostalgia and fan service. Thumbs up, I'd be okay with that. That's fair. You know what yeah. I mean. And, and I agree with you mm-hmm. in that I would. I would rather you go more in the nostalgia, Skywalker stuff with the movies and Mm -hmm. less of it with the TV shows, because you're absolutely 100% right. If we had to watch 10 hours streaming of a James Bond TV show every year, we would get sick of that formula pretty fast, wouldn't we? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I'm with you on that. Okay, so we kind of have the formula of how we would make these shows. All right. Mm -hmm. you got to have a target audience. You have to have a core audience that you target First and then build out mm. from, right? Everyone does this. Yeah. This is not weird. Okay. The oxygen network, I can mm-hmm. tear it now. I'm not their primary <laughs> target. And that's okay. I don't I don't need to be. That's that's mm. fine. Okay. Uh, I love I love, for example, I love Food Network and I love HGTV. I do. I love them both. Okay. I, I won't lie. But I you watch the ads, and it's obvious from the ads. I'm not the primary target audience. It's My wife is. My wife is. I'm Mm -hmm. not. And again, that's (laughs) fine. I still enjoy the shows. The shows are unwatchable. Okay, they're not like, ooh, I can't, you know, we don't want you watching the show. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) It's not like that. But you can tell by the ads who their primary target audience is. Same thing with pro wrestling. I'm more the primary target audience for pro wrestling. I see the ads. I I can (laughs) tell who they're coming after first, right? My wife yeah. also loves pro wrestling too. Okay, so it's not like she can't watch it. She loves pro wrestling as well. Always has. So yeah, that's how things. I think people kind of get confused about what a primary target audience is. They seem to think, well, that's a, mm. well you can't just have them. But no one's saying that. That's not the role. <laughs> that's not the role of a primary target audience. Your primary target audience can't be every human on the planet. That doesn't work that way. Right. Because you can't be everything <laughs> to everyone. Right. Then you're nothing. Right. To you know. So <laughs> who's your target audience? How big are they, and how would you build out moving forward?
1: Um, I think my target audience would be—I'd want to say kids, obviously, but because that's what Star Wars was originally for. But I think Marvel has taken the spot of Star Wars for kids. I agree. These days, um, and it's kind of hard to. To take them off of that, I guess, like is the primary. Like this is going to be what impacts these kids right. growing up and whatnot. Yep. I say probably like maybe like the like uh, teenagers and young adults, like people who probably grew up with some sort of Star Wars stuff yes. and are already familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Like, make it family friendly, of course, so everybody can yep, watch it. Yeah, I would say them first. so definitely like. I would make your primary audience like guys over thirty-five who saw. Return of the Jedi in theaters and, you know, yeah. just catering everything to them because, yeah. you know, as I think we said in the first episode, there's different camps of Star Wars fans even from that. and But just like you don't want to just give people who watch the prequels everything that, that they want right. and whatnot. So I think you have to start by building the, the youth, the younger peoples who have already seen Star Wars and know what to expect from it. Mm-hmm. Target, like keeping them as a part of the franchise instead of them just you know going off to find something else that they want, um, keep them invested, which Disney definitely wants because they want their money, right? Especially when they have kids, yes, you know they want their kids to watch, and it's Absolutely. cycle. It's how they get your head and you know mm-hmm. you're a Disney fan for life, and you become uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> you're
0: you're at the Disney World every year, right? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs>
1: I guess as far as expanding out, I mean, The Mandalorian is, is pretty good for, you know, anybody can watch it. There's nothing so. too scary or too violent or not any more violent than your average Star Wars movie. I think keeping it like that and having stuff that's like, you know, you have the nostalgia for the older fans. You have stuff that's like cute for the younger people or... I say, I don't want to say like that. Just women like things that are cute, but I right. feel like they would be more like you know, sure. like oh, that's I can I can watch a show that has that in there yes. that they'll see like the cool female characters mm-hmm. or just or they may like the adventure stuff and, and right. be hooked on it. You know, pe- people people are, are very different. So I hate yes. to generalize, but yeah, you know, there's a lot of elements that can hook different types of people. I mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. in the Mandalorian, so that's why I think it's such a successful. Show. It's not just the Star Wars. It's like mm-hmm. someone sees a meme of Baby Yoda on the internet and they want to see what it is because yes. it's cute. Yes. And then they're hooked into the show by the fact by everything else. You got so it. I really like that approach that they have because it was enough new stuff, enough nostalgia and enough like feelers for people who don't care about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's really about as successful as you can get as far as reaching an audience.
0: Yeah. I agree. I totally agree. I I think (laughs) my target audience, I would start with, I'm similar to you. I think I would do, I would break it out into a couple of different groups. Mm. But My number one group, my number one target audience would be males 25 to 50. They should have some kind of discretionary income by the time they're 25 years old. That is your most passionate fan base in general. Mm and historically oh, yeah. that is i mean go to a star wars convention i don't think i'm lying here uh, <laughs> okay that is your most passionate fan base then i would do boys 6 to 6 to 18 yeah to try to grow your future mm-hmm. and then i would do the inverse my third group would be girls mm-hmm. 6 mm-hmm. to 6 to 19 yeah then do women 25 to 50
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I would flip it. I'd go with the younger girls first, thinking, "Well, maybe the women between 25, 50 five fifty didn't really grow up with it or didn't really care." Like my my sister grew up with Star Wars; so she could give two craps about it. <laughs> okay, I mean, so yeah, to tell you. so I might go for the younger generation, thinking, "Well, if I can give them cool characters that didn't exist in the you know before, like Ahsoka, mm-hmm. who they might yeah. be really into, then I might capture them." faster and easier than I would women 25 to 50 who already have their predefined likes and dislikes and interests and passions Mm -hmm. in life. You know what I'm saying? Harder to win over Mm -hmm. and less time to win over too. So that's how I would do my target audiences going forward to try to Mm -hmm. branch out as much as possible. And I think you're right as far as the mix of the shows. It's always got to be family friendly. Every show has to be family friendly. Mm -hmm. Number one. And uh, always have something cute for the Younger crowd always have something. Cute. Yeah, that's also super important to That was a
1: that was a very George Lucas formula as well. You got that right, my friend. The cute stuff always sold. So. Yes,
0: sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. We got the idea of our target audience. My next question for you, mm-hmm. Stephen, is: How do you handle the franchise going forward? Do you handle right. it like? There's a couple of different ways you could handle it, and I'm going to use pre-existing franchises as a reference base. Okay? Do you handle it mm-hmm. like the Matrix? It's a self-contained story that's not meant to be built out into a full universe with multiple timelines. Do you handle it like Lord of the Rings? It is mm-hmm. a large cast spanning a couple of generations, but it's still centered around a few basic core concepts and characters. Or do you treat it like Star Trek, where it's a not not, as we said before, where Star Trek is political and social, not like that. Do you treat it like Mm -hmm. Star Trek where it's a concept based on a universe, not characters, Mm -hmm. and that concept is based on multiple timelines, not rooted in any one single story or particular set of characters? Mm -hmm. What's your feeling?
1: Well, I mean, personally, I would go with the Star Trek model. I think based on, um, well, what it is, I mean, it's a space opera. There's lots of galaxy to explore and most of the movies you know they kind of promise whether they actually deliver or not that like it's a big galaxy there's whole lots of stuff out here there's lots of interesting people that you're not seeing right now but they're out there and maybe we'll tell their story one day at least that's how I feel watching it um so I think I mean that would be my that's my personal take on it now have
0: they handled it that way no not until the Mandalorian but I (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's been tied to the Skywalker saga. Fans have been trained to for Star Trek to have multiple cast of characters right. in multiple timelines and mm-hmm. multiple situations and mm-hmm. multiple whatever. Mm-hmm. Star Star Wars fans have been trained that Star Wars is about the Skywalkers. That it's is not true. about the yeah. universe and multiple timelines, it's about the Skywalkers. So it would involve mm-hmm. a retraining of your consumer base. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, and, and a changing mm-hmm. of the franchise, wouldn't you agree?
1: I think there's a way to do it where you could you could change the characters, but the the feel and the flavor is still the same. Agreed. Like I feel like if the sequels had been done correctly, then they could have done that. Where you know, like the legacy characters are still there, but you know they've built up. You know they've introduced the new cast to you, and if it had gone right we would have liked them and wanted to follow them on more adventures and so on and so forth so we wouldn't lose the skywalker connection but it wouldn't be just about them it would right. be kind of like what the well you know you know what i mean, <laughs> I do. I know exactly what you mean. like because i was gonna say like cobra kai but cobra kai is also still about those older characters Correct. Mm-hmm. like it's their story and the yeah. younger kids but this one would be like I don't want to say they'd get cameos. Like, they could have a part in the stories, but they don't have to be a part of every story to connect it. And Star Wars, for a long time, did have um, stuff in the the franchise that was very far away. Like, the the stuff in the the Old Republic was Mm -hmm. very popular Mm -hmm. with fans, and they didn't have any real tie to the the Skywalker saga. I mean, that was, like, thousands of years ago. And it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, nobody named Skywalker's around here. There's Mm -hmm. no... Not even Yoda's around there, you right. know, and Yoda's in the high Republic. So it's like, you still have to have that one tie, but right. the old Republic didn't have that. Then there's a the stuff from like the books. It's like way in the future. The, I remember those games that had that guy, Kyle Katarn or whatever, the Jedi yes. outcast Yes. that, yeah. Like they mentioned Luke Skywalker and the empire, but yeah. he never showed up. It was right. always about a different group of characters. Yes. So, it's not like Star Wars hasn't been there before, but it is worth noting that it's always been other media, not movies and TV. So Correct. Correct. Yeah. It's kind of tough. And it's, it's only a certain section of the fan base that has been right. exposed to that other stuff. Now, it's big because uh, Knights of the Republic was massively popular, mm-hmm. but it's been a long time since thanks to the old Republic as well. Yeah. And a whole new generation has come up that doesn't know anything about it. Right. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how to, ha- how we handle something like that. It's possible.
0: Yeah, I agree. I know, think definitely possible. Just,
1: like Disney junked the entire extended universe. Um, I think foolishly. Oh, but I, well,
0: as you can see them trying to rebuild <laughs> it out now with the high Republic. Right. So that was, yeah. it was foolish. That was a bad move by Kennedy. And her story group. Mm-hmm. It's just a bad move. Yep, it's one of those things that can be done. Can the people who are in charge right now do it?
1: I think Favreau and Filoni could, but I don't think they're interested in doing that. If I'm being honest with you, I think they want to stick within yeah. that established time frame that they've set up. It is possible, you know, if another faction <laughs> pops up in Lucasfilm that's dedicated to <laughs> another section of the timeline, yeah. and they do just as good a job, then mm-hmm. you know.
0: It it could all work out fine. I agree. Speaking of timelines, Stephen, what timeline... We've got a couple timelines we can pick from. Where would you want Disney to really Mm. focus their energy? Timeline between Episodes 1 and 9, including the characters from the movies? Or Mm. the timeline between Episodes 1 and 9, but not including any characters from the movies? Or would you focus on the timeline before Episode 1? Or would you focus on the timeline after episode nine, those are your four options. Which do you think is the best path forward for Disney? If you had to pick one, I think
1: financially speaking, yeah, it would be between one and nine that had the possibility to feature characters from the original yeah, uh, series. Yeah. Um, and they're already doing it. They've got a Lando show, Ahsoka, right? Stuff like that. I mean, I would personally like to see more stuff from before episode one, because I think that's a very interesting time period. Mm -hmm. And if people love anything, they love Jedis and Sith hitting each other with lightsabers, (laughs) and there's all (laughs) sorts of Jedis and Siths out there, and all that. And there's plenty of ways to tie it back to the original, like the Mandalorians and the Darksaber, and stuff like that, that, that do exist and were present in that time period. But... I don't know. I think think financially it would still be with what they know Mm -hmm. because there's still stuff they can do between Episodes 3 and 4. Yes, of course. Between um, 6 and 7. Sure. It's just that at a certain point, like, they're going to run out of stuff to do. Yeah. And they're going to have to branch out and do do something new. That's where I'd be more concerned because Mm – if they're trying to branch out and do new stuff in different time periods and still trying to force a connection a force.
0: Ah, would, nice. Would <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> uh, um, then it would be it would be pretty bad. But for right now, I'd say probably for the next five years, they're probably set.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But Star Wars is everlasting, it seems. Right. So right. after that, you know, it's a, big, it's a big
0: question mark. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think I would stick with uh, – I, uh, I think Disney should really focus on the timeline between episodes one and nine and not mm-hmm. really use any of the characters from the movies. If they want to come in for a cameo here and there, fine. Sure. But I'd rather yeah. not focus on them at all. But I would stick with the timeline between episodes one and nine. That's where I think mm-hmm. the money really is. I think that's where the most right. fan interest is as well. That's where I would stick – if you start to run out of material, if you start to feel boxed in after a while, I would say Disney should go backward in time before Episode One, right? And not go forward in time after Episode Nine. How many times yeah. can you make a new Death Star or a new Empire or a new? For I, I think yeah, you, you can't you can't just keep having the Empire come back and Death <laughs> Stars come back and just, yeah. just. I would not go forward. I would go right. backward after mm-hmm. you've already mined Absolutely. all the material out of the time period between one and nine.
1: Yeah, because there's just more possibilities. Oddly enough, there's more possibility in the past. Like I agree. If you want a movie about the Gray Jedi, well, they existed in the past, and yeah. something happened before you know Episode One. If you want to talk about the Mandalorian society and their war with the Jedi, oh, there's you can make probably a trilogy of movies about that. And Correct. Then, there's Darth Revan and uh, Darth Nihilus and all this other stuff. That's You can do movies about Sith because yes. Sith are just more interesting than the Jedi. At least I think so. Yes. And, um, and that's just, it's, it's just a lot more to do because there's more time. There's more mm-hmm. stuff that they can yank out from the old extended universe and re-canonize. I uh, think that's a word. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I
0: agree. I do agree. fun stuff like that, you yeah. know? I think, I think you're right. I think you've got, I think there's... Uh... The most fan interest might be in the timeline between 1 and 9. I definitely think there's far more interest, far more fan interest in the timeline before Episode 1 than there is in anything Mm -hmm. after Episode 9. I don't really hear about any fans talking about... I don't hear anybody talking about the the timeline after Episode 9. I don't. You hear a lot of people talking about the episode, the the, the timeline before Episode 1, but Mm -hmm. not so much after 9. I don't think there's any interest in that. Yeah,
1: it's... I think it's because with the sequels, like, because the sequels came out, they pretty much annihilated any chance of any of the stuff that was set after episode six in the books or comics before pre-Disney. Like, it can't happen now. You can't have Jason Solo or Luke Skywalker fighting a reborn emperor or whatever, or the original Thrawn trilogy you can't do now
0: because it just didn't happen. Unless... It's not possible. In Ahsoka, <laughs> you make it an alternate timeline. Okay, anyhow. Uh, <laughs> moving on, Steven. Um, I do think, while we've established which timelines might be more interesting to, to fans, I do think, the one good thing yeah. it, uh, The Mandalorian has answered for Stephen. Steven, I think it mm-hmm. has answered for us that fans, you can get fans to get really excited and care about characters outside of the core cast. Yeah. I think we've established that. And that's huge mm-hmm. because... In The totally Mandalorian, we had not established that because the characters from the sequels are not that popular. So we had not established that fans would care about <laughs> anyone beyond the core cast of characters. Yep. We have now established that. That's a good thing going forward. Yes, it is.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right, Stephen, the last topic we're going to talk about is the vehicles for Disney's success going forward. We're in a pandemic world. Eventually, yeah. you know, in 2025, this pandemic will end when we all get a vaccine, uh, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. And, and the, and the virus doesn't mutate into something else. Um, uh, you know, eventually yeah. we're, we're going to get some, some on the other side of the pandemic in some form or the other, while the world will never be the same. Anyone who thinks that it, it's going to go right back to how it was before they're fooling themselves. Mm-hmm. That will never happen. The yeah. post COVID world. What is the best way for Disney to move forward in the post COVID world? Uh, Keep in mind, the 2020 annual report for Disney, they have suffered a 37% drop in parks, experiences, and products division. They mm-hmm. suffered a 13% drop in studio entertainment. Remember, the fiscal year is not the same as the calendar year. So right. that's why people are probably wondering, why aren't they bigger drops? Well, they, <laughs> trust wait, yeah. wait, wait for the next quarter. You're going to see it. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's coming. The two divisions that weren't that affected, media, networks, studio, entertainment, and Direct, mm-hmm. uh, direct-to-consumer international uh, divisions were less impacted, obviously, on the back of Disney Plus. Clearly, mm-hmm. they've reported, evidently, they've reported a loss of $7.4 $7. 4 billion across all their businesses. And uh, oddly enough, though, Stephen, their stock, their stock price yeah. on January 15, 2020, before the pandemic started over here, the stock was trading at $144.32 $144. a share. January mm-hmm. 15, 2021, just a couple of days ago, their stock was trading at $171.35 a share. So the stock has gone up. <laughs> yeah. That, and, and that's well. really the, that's based on the success of Disney Plus. And investors feel yes. that like when we get on the other side of the pandemic, Disney's gonna be well situated to slingshot forward and be successful. Mm-hmm. Here are their vehicles for going forward. Comic books. Is that a is that no. is that a, a area of of growth and profit for Disney going forward post COVID?
1: Uh, uh no, it is not. It is a um, it's a it's a possibility for what they use comics for now, which is well, we can make movies off of these. So just right. if they lose money, whatever, we'll make it back at the box office five years from now.
0: Right. Agreed. Agreed. It's pretty
1: much all it, all it's good for. Um, books not yeah, hard say, to children's make books and throw books. out there. So yeah, you know it's, it's whatever. It's a tax write off. Okay. So.
0: Young adult. Fiction. They keep doing stuff
1: with it, but it's not going to make them any money. Right. Not right. really. Right.
0: I, I'd agree with you. Children's books and young adult books. That's just not, that's not a big moneymaker for Disney. It's just not going to be. It's, it's, pennies. No. it's pennies. Consumer products division. Merchandise is, is uh, I think, going to continue to be a central, mm-hmm. a central uh, focus for Disney in a post-COVID world a lot of their income is going to come from consumer products going forward. I think when we get the other side of the pandemic, when the economy starts to improve and people start to get a little bit more money than bank account, that's obviously mm. an area of growth for Disney as they go forward for sure. Yeah. Um, definitely. The uh, Disney parks and resorts, I think, you know, again, you get on the other side of the pandemic, you get people comfortable traveling. Mm. You get people, the economy rebounds and people actually have money to travel. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think, uh, Stephen, I think you're going to see the Disney Parks and Resorts uh, division and the Disney Cruise Line division. Again, cruise lines have been sidelined since the pandemic started. The government isn't likely to let them go back online anytime soon. It's just it's too problematic in, 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 a, <laughs> in a COVID world. Yeah. And I don't know what are people's appetites going to be after, you know, in a post-COVID world. What's their appetite going to be for a yeah. A floating bowl of poop in the middle of the ocean, uh, which is what a cruise ship is. <laughs> um, Pretty much. I don't see the parks, resorts, and cruise lines. Unfortunately, Stephen, I don't see them rebounding anytime soon for Disney. Yeah. I don't see that. You agree? Yeah, I don't. I don't think so either.
1: Um, especially, I think the cruise lines are probably going to be hit the hardest because Disney. They can do stuff to the parks, like to try and make it more safe. Right. And try to assure people you can't change a cruise ship. No, you can't. it's a boat. It's and cruises are floating. You know, poops and STDs, and yep. if God forbid somebody had the flu or oh. something like that on there, yeah, it's just it's a disease vector, is, is what they all are. It is.
0: I agree. Well, I agree. I think it's going to have a hard yeah. time. Uh, the other area uh, for them is their theatrical releases. In a you know mm-hmm. they, they've had no no movies. Uh, the theater's been shut down during the pandemic in a post-COVID world. I I don't know. What do you think? The theaters have taken a beating during the pandemic. Do you think mm-hmm. in a post-COVID world, the theatrical releases is going to be an integral part of Disney's uh, growth in the future?
1: No. I, they can say it as much as they want because um, Warner Brothers screwed it up, but they're going to do what, what they did with HBO Max. Disney Plus is going to be the center of all their, their film, their theatrical-ish things. I think they'll do a hybrid of both, but they're not counting on it being their, their moneymaker anymore. It's just, it's just the economics and the surreality is just not there. It, it would take probably, I'd say to go back to like last year, which is a record, no, not last year, 2019, which is a record year for the box office, and mostly because of Disney, I'd say you'd probably have to wait. Five six years before you could pack people into a theater like that again. Yeah, I agree. And by that by that time, you know, well, it's, well, we it's, been, they're going to have moved on. Yeah, well, you know, we
0: all have been trained to just watch our movies at home by then. Mm-hmm. You know, oh and, yeah, and absolutely. Our leisure. you are already paying for the streaming yeah. services, right? Why do you want to pay extra money to go to a movie theater? Yeah, that's what I'm worried.
1: Yeah, and go and deal with people and yeah. the the staff that doesn't that doesn't care and you know i think specialty theaters will will be okay i hope so art if house we have theaters, maybe. that we love oh yeah we have but, we um, have the
0: narrow cinema in in in, yeah. in our city the narrow cinema it shows right. great indie movies and art house movies it's a wonderful mm-hmm. wonderful beautiful old theater i do hope places like that yeah. survive in the future i think they can i think they can
1: yeah. And I think that, um, well, I don't want studios to be able to take over movie theaters. I think that if they are able to turn it into more of an experience, like a real experience, then that could be like a, a way to entice people to come out. But that's going to cost more money because they're going to have to convert all these theaters and then, you know, deal with all that. And that's going to take years, too. So, yeah. you know, I don't it just doesn't it doesn't look good going forward. That's an interesting. Near
0: that's an interesting thought because the minute you said that I thought yeah. about, wow, if Disney bought some theaters, let's say they bought a handful. They wouldn't buy many. You'd buy you'd buy like mm-hmm. a theater in each major metropolitan area maybe and that's it. Maybe, you know. But if you yeah. bought just a handful and you did them up like Disney World mm-hmm. where they're like at animatronics yeah. and they got cool stuff and they got the Disney like the Disney yeah. train cast members who give awesome customer service, like uh, mm-hmm. I'd go to that. Yeah, I'd go to that. <laughs> what is- Hey, you know what? Put a Disney store in there. It, right. Why not? I mean, right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Something like that. that. That's a very interesting <laughs> thought, Stephen. That's really interesting. I like that. Yeah. And then another area for uh, growth going forward, video games. What do you think? Video games, uh, Stephen, I sent you a cool article from The Guardian about video games becoming the music was the cultural touchstone for all generations before. Baby boomers, yeah. Gen X, millennials. Music has always been Mm -hmm. the cultural touchstone. Yeah. The Guardian had this cool article about how, but things have changed for Gen Z. Video games are now their cultural touchstone. It's not music anymore. It's video games. And I can tell you based anecdotally, okay, on my own two Gen Z (laughs) sons that live in my house, uh, they don't really, they don't really care about music. It's not, it's not, it's not a cultural thing for them. The music, music now is just kind of whatever. It's, it's just a, music now is just kind of just rehashing what's come before it's it's just not, there's no yeah. there's nothing exciting about it they don't really care video games are absolutely steven their cultural touchstone for their video games yeah. it is all about video games that is how they socialize with their friends mm-hmm. even more so now in the pandemic steven that's how they're socializing with their yeah. friends when they can't get together mm-hmm. in big groups anymore right uh, video yeah. games have just become that's the thing for them, and that's important because Gen Z, Stephen, is the is ages nine to twenty four. Yeah, nine to twenty four is Gen Z. That's a pretty juicy demographic that Disney likes to control. <laughs> Correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's that's. Di- so, what do you think is vi- are video games a place where Disney? They haven't done a lot in video games, Stephen. Let's be fair. Right. They really haven't. They they have they they closed down their video game you know arm and they they've really started outsourcing things not we're not really showing an interest in video games at all is this an area where disney might want to yeah. pivot might want to pivot and go let's super serve generation z and let's 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 use video games as a way even in a post covid world video games are going to be huge because mm-hmm. you're at home it's all based on everyone being home yeah. and playing each other remotely anyway it's perfect for a post covid mm-hmm. world what do you think about video games is yeah. this something disney should get into more aggressive um,
1: I think that because it really connects people now, especially the younger generations, is stuff like Fortnite, um, Minecraft, uh, stuff that you could like. You could have uh, Animal Crossing, the new Animal Crossing that came out was a big uh, was a big COVID hit. Yep. Um, and I think there's a lot of potential for that because you know you have those games that really connect people, and of course you know Call of Duty, online Destiny yep. games where you play multiplayer. Of course, for the older kids, they do that. But, um, I mean, even just in, like, regular, like, narrative games, like, we all had a shared moment of disappointment when Cyberpunk turned out to be a disaster.
0: Yeah, we did. Um,
1: We did. We all had a cultural moment of, like, wait, what's happening when the Final Fantasy VII remake came out and, you know, and changed a bunch of stuff? Yeah, yeah. So it's, like, it is really, like, and not just for Gen Z, but for everybody, because most people now or have played video games or oh. do play video games now.
0: Everybody, across all age ranges. Everybody, but the baby. Yeah. Boomers. It's a good,
1: pretty much.
0: Yeah. Right? I mean, let's be honest. It's not just, the baby boomers, but jet, but gen X millennials yeah. and gen Z all grew up with video games. Mm-hmm. All three generations. Grew that's right. Games.
1: Yeah. And so it's, um, it's become a good way. Like across any kind, like just a regular narrative game, a game for game as a service, uh, this multiplayer game. There's lots of avenues to connect people to create opportunities for merchandise to just generate just pure revenue off of whatever. It's the it's the new way forward I think for media stuff like that. Interactive experiences, VR. I think um, it's not doing as hot now, but if somebody gets it right, like really right, then that could that could explode. Like that could be a, a thing that connects people, like having to connect VRs through multiplayer stuff. Yeah, that would be incredible.
0: Agreed. And and don't discount the fact that, uh, according to MarketWatch, that global mm-hmm. video game revenue is expected to surge twenty percent to one hundred eighty billion dollars in the year twenty twenty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to IDC data, and this would make vi- the video game industry a bigger money maker than the global. Movie industry, Stephen, global movie industry and the North American sports industries combined. Yeah. So if theaters are going to die and theatrical releases aren't going to be the big money maker for you anymore. Well, Mm -hmm. video games, the video game industry is making more money than the movie industry was making. So this is where you pivot. If theaters are going to die, movies are going to go down Mm -hmm in terms of profit and money generated, then you pivot to video games.
1: Yep. Absolutely. So it's what makes sense.
0: The money's right there on
1: the screen for you.
0: Mm -hmm. Maybe foolish. Not, I mean, can you imagine like another like Epic Mickey video game? Yeah. I mean, like, were you, were you, know, another kingdom hearts video game? I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's there, (laughs) Steven. It's there for Disney. Absolutely. It is there. Uh, And of course the last vehicle, Steven is Disney plus. And we saved it for last because mm-hmm. that's obviously, I think everyone agrees, that is going to become the main driver for Disney going forward, period, yeah. end of story. I don't even think it's open to debate. that That is going to become the main yeah. driver. Right now, Disney Plus has hit 86.8 million paid subscribers in mm-hmm. just slightly over a year after their launch. That yeah. is close to the high end of the 90 million customers that Disney originally expected to land by 2024. <laughs> even 2024 yeah. uh, Disney's eyeing up to 260 million subscribers by the end of 2024. Now uh, Morgan Stanley revised the estimates for Disney plus to end 2024 fiscal year with about 135 million customers. So yeah. the growth is there. It, it no doubt. Of course it was supercharged by the pandemic. Duh. That's, that's obvious. Sure. But, but again, yeah. you start to change people's habits. They don't mm-hmm. usually go back to how they used to do things. Uh, yep. Disney plus is obviously the path forward. This, 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 this is where everything is going to be focused on. It makes the most sense. What do you think, Stephen?
1: Yeah, I think I agree with you. I mean, I, I remember when, when Disney was the company that was the most opposed to the lessening, the theatrical window day and day releases on streaming and whatnot. And now it's like it's such a huge shift. And as as goes Disney, usually as goes the industry as a whole, because they're the dominant
0: force. Do you remember? So I think. Do you remember mm -hmm. the Disney Vault? On how like the the movie would be out of the theater (laughs) and it would go to you know VHS or DVD, but only for a limited Mm -hmm. amount of time. Only for a limited amount of time, and then you couldn't even buy it. Like they they were as hostile (laughs) to to anything outside of the theatrical experience for their movies.
1: Yep, that's right, and I think, and I think they're seeing what Warner Brothers is doing with HBO uh, Max. So while you know the the results, we're not going to know because the streaming was serious, you don't have to share your numbers right, right. until you know your um investor until your day. investor reports yeah so you can hide and bury them wherever if they're not good yep, but absolutely you know if you project some kind of confidence give the people what they want to see on the services like that's what Warner Brothers don't pay. And Disney doesn't have to worry about what Warner Brothers does because they make everything in-house. And so they just big, have to worry about paying their talent.
0: That's a big difference.
1: And, like, because you see Warner Brothers, like, they basically just, like, okay, you know what, just take the money. Like, we're going to pay you out. Stop complaining. And, you know, we'll we'll do this and we'll, we'll renegotiate as things go on. But Disney doesn't have to do that. They could – um I think the biggest thing, like, I think if they would have released Black Widow by now, if like, I think Scarlett Johansson had some deal that related to box office returns. And I mean, that was a signed contract and I don't think she's going to sign another one because it's probably a lot of money, yeah, you know, and in the state that Disney's in right now, they, they're probably not willing to fork over, you know, money like, well, we think it would have done this much. So we'll pay you this much money. And Disney, uh, unlike a lot of the other studios, they don't have another, they don't have a company over them that kind of gives them financial security like AT&T for Warner Brothers and then Comcast for Universal. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting because I think they're like the last purely, they're the only entertainment company that's just an entertainment company in the movie space, I think. Yeah, I think they're they're gonna go that way. They're gonna. It, it may be another year, maybe a year and a half, but they're gonna go that way, and it's gonna. They're gonna have a way to do it that's, you know, gonna, <laughs> not gonna piss everybody off, and just uh, and it'll and then everybody else is gonna follow them because yep. um, Universal already destroyed the, you know, the theatrical window with the that 17 day deal they did with AMC. So I'm sh- I'm sure now they're kicking themselves that they signed that deal. It's like if I could have just done that day and date, like are, are you serious? Yeah, yeah agree. <laughs> yeah, after after this is over, even if you know the vaccines are out and by September or by next year, this is where it's going to go. It's, <laughs> yeah, I agree. They're stopping it. So I, I, I agree. I agree, yeah. Stephen.
0: I think as we sit here, you know, it, with this pandemic still raging, as going forward, I I, I mm-hmm. think. It's Disney Plus, it's video games, and the consumer products. Those are the three mm-hmm. the three divisions that are going to have to power Disney through the pandemic and through the post-COVID world. It's good. They're going to have to rely on Disney Plus, video games, and uh, consumer products until they can one day get their parks, resorts, and cruise lines operating at full strength again. And yep. th- that's what they're going to have to Because once parks, resorts, and cruise lines get operating at full strength, then yay, the money's flowing from heaven again. <laughs> you know, because, yeah. I mean, parks, resorts, and cruise lines, thats that's got to be, you know, 50 to 60% of their money right there mm-hmm. they make. So yeah. that's what they're going to have to do to move forward, and I'm with you. I think, uh, uh, Stephen, to be honest, I, I love the theater experience. I love yeah, seeing movies. I do. Uh, you know, you mentioned the narrow. I love it. It's a beautiful place to go. I love old theaters. I, I love mm-hmm. the theatrical experience when done right. And, yeah. uh, but uh, I'm not going to lie to you, Stephen. I don't know when I'm going to feel comfortable sitting in a crowded movie. theater.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I just don't yeah, know. It's... I don't know, Stephen. I don't know when that's going to happen. And even when mm-hmm. I become comfortable with it, I don't know. I'm already paying for Disney plus. Yeah. Why do I want to pay all that money to go to a movie theater? The tickets, you know, I'm going to, even if it's just my wife and I, do I want to go drop 25 bucks on tickets and then whatever on some crappy food there <laughs> and sit in an uncomfortable chair yeah. when, when I could just be at home and I'm already paying for Disney plus. Mm-hmm. Do I want to spend that extra money? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> so
1: that's right. Cause that that's ultimately going to save you money.
0: Yep. Yep. So there you go. All right, Steven. Well, there you go. We, we have given Disney their game plan. For future success, yeah,
1: I'm expecting our paychecks to be to be forth to be to be coming quickly. That's right, paycheck. <laughs> you can send it directly
0: to Comic Book Revolution. Thank you very much. Uh, yes, <laughs> I am interested, Stephen. As we progress forward uh, over the uh, 2021, curious uh, mm-hmm. to see how much we've talked about comes true and uh, what doesn't come no. true, and of course, I'm sure this is going to throw us a few curveballs that we didn't see coming over the course of the next year. You know that's going to happen, right? Yeah, (laughs) I think so. Definitely. It's always (laughs) that way, isn't it? (laughs) All right, my friend. I enjoyed this deep dive in Star Wars. Yeah, Uh, man. Absolutely. We'll be back with more. I think the next topic Steve and I are going to tackle, I think we're going to tackle comic books and the manga industry. All right? Mm -hmm. Go back to our roots here, Stephen. (laughs) And dig deep into that, because there's a lot to discuss with that topic. And that's going to be fun.
1: Yes, there is. All
0: right, my friend. Until next time, viva la revolucion.